Well, it did not start out pretty, ladies and gentlemen, but a win is a win, and it felt pretty damn good after the first half. What's going on, everybody? This is the Locked On Eagles podcast. Louis DiBiase joining you, as always, on the postgame show, the first time this year during the regular season, alongside my co-host Gino Camilleri. The Eagles are 1-0 on the 2019 season, 32-27. to The Eagles take it after being down in the first half, Gino, 20-7. to I was ready, and look, of course, there was an entire second half. I had to train myself. I had to talk myself down. We've been doing this now for like 16 years, watching the Eagles football, especially week one games, which is which are always weird. But I was ready to get on the coaching staff for their terrible third down situational play calling on offense and on defense. I was ready to get on Doug Peterson about the usage of Darren Sproles and Jim Schwartz. But here we are. Second half, it was the tale of two halves here. The Eagles outscored the Redskins at one point after, except for that last, you know, gimme touchdown that the Eagles gave away with a couple seconds left in the game. They outscored the Redskins 32-3 to at one point. They went off. Your initial thoughts, Gino, a big win. You got to be feeling good. That offense that we've been talking up on paper for months now put it to the test in the field, and they looked as advertised. It was a rocky start. That was bad at first, Lou. I mean, just go back to every Eagles fan's tweets from about two hours ago and then see how they evolved over the, the next course of uh, the cu- next couple hours that pursued. It was, it, it was bad at first, man. We, I was just like, what is going on? I, I tweeted before the game, I wanted quick execution right off the bat. That was one thing that they didn't do well last year was starting hot. They only scored, what, 47 first quarter points last year? 41, actually. 41, yeah, so even worse than I thought. And this year you started off with a big fat zero. But this game reminded me so much of that, I'm pretty sure it was 2014 opener against Jacksonville, where they just came out and they were embarrassed in the first half. And then they said, hey, we're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2014, which wasn't a very good team, and they flipped it on its head and came out and just – shoved it down their throats, which this Eagles team did today. And that's what you want to see, the resilience from this team. And it all started with one guy, Lou, the savior, the the one who was promised, our Azor high, Carson Wentz. A healthy Carson Wentz is the most beautiful thing in midnight green at any given Sunday. The, he was vintage 2017 Carson Wentz. He finishes this game 28 for 39 with a 17.1 a 17.7 completion percentage, higher than what both you and I said would be his season-long completion percentage, with three touchdowns, an average of eight yards per, and it should have been four touchdowns with that Elshon Jeffrey one that was called a run. He was absolutely spectacular today, Lou. He finished, again, 28 of 39, 313 yards, three touchdowns, but the biggest thing for me with Wentz, Gino, was you talked about it, vintage Carson Wentz, he looked like 2017. The second half plays, it wasn't, look, we're going to get into Deshaun Jackson and the huge debut he had with the 2.0 era with the Eagles. We'll get into him, but the biggest get those, plays... Uh, get those hoodies while they're hot. That's this right, the that's right. Him, folks. Shameless plug, tpublic.com, locked on Eagle store. Anyway, I digress. Carson Wentz... On third downs, there was a third and 13 and a third and seven in the, in the third quarter where Carson Wentz is pressured up the middle of the field. He finds a way to escape the pocket, rolls to his left both side, both times, excuse me, finds a way across his body, gets it to Zach Ertz, and I believe the other one was to um, Goddard, Dallas Goddard. 
converts yes, both plays because he extends the plays outside of structure. When the play breaks down, he turns into a pickup quarterback that's just going to roll around and make something happen with his talents. And that's something that makes him so truly special. It's something I like over guys like Jared Goff, right? Those kind of Josh Rosen's even going into the NFL draft. The guys that have the ability of Carson Wentz to extend plays like that and convert on huge third down plays is why you fall in love with a player like that. And he did that in the second half repeatedly. He had such an impressive game. Like you said, he should have had four touchdowns. Alshon Jeffrey records his uh, first rushing touchdown of his career. Yeah, it's it's truly something when you look at what he did last year with a broken back. And this whole time, there were people who doubted him, people who were calling for Nick Foles. There were all these narratives around him that he didn't throw the long ball well. He didn't throw to Elshon Jeffrey. He couldn't win big games. In all rights, today's game, Lou, is a comeback victory. Like, that is a game-winning drive that he led every single drive from that first touchdown to Deshaun Jackson to those 29 points that they scored. It was truly unbelievable what he did every drive that he had the football. He knew that he had to get things going, Lou, and when the structure broke down, that ball to Deshaun Jackson was an absolute gem. And the plays even that weren't the big long touchdown, some of the throws were immaculate. The throw before that first touchdown, Lou, to Dallas Goddard on the left sideline, was one of the best throws into double coverage I have ever seen in my entire life. And if Landon Collins didn't make an unbelievable play to get across from the hash to hit Goddard, that is a long, long gain on that throw. And there were plenty more. I mean, that that touchdown throw to Elshon Jeffrey was just truly remarkable. Oh my gosh, the way he found a way to get that just past the fingertips of one of the Redskin linebackers is, again, like you said, vintage Wentz where you just leave the play thinking, wow, how did he pull that off? Only a handful of guys in the league can pull off that pass. And it's one thing to see him do it in the way he did it today because last season he attempted to do that, but he didn't have the mobility and the ability to move his feet as well as he did in 2017. And you saw that today, Lou, the way he contorts his body. He looks like Patrick Mahomes at times when he shifts his body one direction and he throws across his body to to break off the safety or to get the linebacker to fall back into coverage. And it was just truly unbelievable the way he did that today and shrugged off all of these narratives. And if you had anything bad to say about Carson Wentz in the past, I just want you to go back and reflect on why you did that and why you could not just understand who the guy was and know that he was going to come back better than ever. He had it in him. He had to put this team on his back. They were down 20, 20 to seven at half Lou. He was the man that he had to get it done. The defense wasn't clicking and he came out there and led the charge and everybody around him, those playmakers that we talked about, everybody contributed. Some maybe more than we wanted to see like Darren Sproles, but Deshaun Jackson, what an absolute pleasure to have him back in the midnight green. Deshaun Jackson, look, for the Eagles fans that grew up watching this guy, even for the older Eagles fans that know what Deshaun Jackson is all about, that enjoyed him for you know, seven years, six years with the Eagles before Chip Kelly got rid of them. They know what this is all about. It was awesome. It just felt like, you know, for me, you were a kid again watching Carson Wentz bomb the ball down the field to Deshaun Jackson, much like Donovan McNabb used to do, and Michael Vick, and Nick Foles, and even the likes of Kevin Cobb. But even for 
like this is the way I was thinking of it too, Gino. Seeing Jackson go off today, eight catches, 154 yards, two touchdowns. He had two 50-plus yard touchdowns. He is now pulled within five of Jerry Rice's record. He has broken Jerry Rice's 60-plus yard touchdown record. He's only five away now of Rice's 50-plus yard. So he is getting in the record books, which is just an incredible career continuing here. But I felt good too for like the younger Eagles fans that didn't really get to experience Deshaun Jackson the first time around or were too young to really remember it's, it's a whole new generation now of Eagles fans that get to see what we got to enjoy for so long for the first time, and he's such an exciting player. Like it's There's a reason why a lot of guys our age have Deshaun Jackson as one of your favorite players because he's such an electric player. He can turn the tide of a game at any point with just one play, and he did that multiple times today. And honestly, I mean, we can talk about MVPs like, Carson Wentz today, and even the the play calling of Deshaun, or uh, excuse me, Doug Peterson, and the offensive and defensive line. But I mean, Deshaun Jackson really kept them in this with those splash plays. If I were to read you a stat line of Deshaun Jackson and just out of a hat, just said, "What year do you think this is from?" Eight receptions on ten targets for 154 yards, two touchdowns, a long of 53, and an average of 19.3. I'd be yards. saying it was ten years ago, 2009. <laughs> That happened today, Lou. I know. A man who has built his entire career off his ability to use his long speed and his natural athletic ability to get open has completely rejuvenated and revitalized his game in his career. The way he was running routes today, Lou, is something that you did not see 10 years ago. He was doing everything perfect. The way he would manipulate the receiver throughout the route, the way he used his head, his hips, his shoulders to manipulate the receiver, how he found holes in zone coverage. He did everything the right way, and there is a reason why Howie Roseman went out of his way to trade assets for a 30-some-odd-year-old receiver, who a guy who that type of skill set seems to travel downhill once you get over 30 years old and your legs start to die off. No, 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 not Deshaun Jackson. This man, he's still got juice, at least from what I see right now, for at least two to three more years. But you wanted him for 2019 to make a push, and you got a prime Deshaun Jackson right now. And with everybody around him, you just have so many options. And we saw that today, Lou. How many matchups? Elshon Jeffrey's getting matched up with a linebacker in the red zone. That's just the luxury you have of being the Philadelphia Eagles is to create these X's and O's and create havoc for defensive coordinators. And they did that today. And you got Deshaun Jackson with eight receptions, Eckerts with five, Elshon with five, Dallas Goddard with two, Sproles with three, Aguilar with two, Howard with two, Miles Sanders with one. That's how you spread the ball around, Lou. That is what Doug Peterson was going to set out to do from the time that they acquired all these guys, all of these playmakers, and he did exactly that. And the way they distributed the ball today uh, in the passing game was something I was a fan of. In the running game, though, that's where I have a lot left to be desired. Yeah, and we'll get into that for sure. I just want to kind of wrap things up here with Deshaun Jackson, too. I mean, did you see, Gino, the effect he had after those two big bombs in the second half Washington's defense feared that play for the rest of the game. That is all they, they had on their mind. Two high were, safeties the yeah, rest of the game. They were playing. Their corners were playing deep anytime, and they did it. By the way, shout out to Michael Kist. He's been calling this for a year now, basically a year and a half. Deshaun Jackson Just did most of his work with reduced splits. Yep, inside yep. and. 
even then, you watch the corners, and they're running for the hills when Deshaun Jackson starts picking up strides, and he was able to, because of that, he was able to capitalize on short and intermediate routes, converting third downs. I think Deshaun Jackson had two or three third down conversions today because the defense was so terrified of Jackson hitting another deep run on them and that's why you talked about it his refined route running here his hands I mean if you asked me that he had a broken you know if you asked me does this guy look like he has a broken left ring finger I would not have thought that was the case at all he was catching the ball very comfortably today he only had one drop and it was late in the game when you know the game was kind of out of hands for the Redskins it's just that's the thing too about Jackson even when the ball isn't in his hands the fear the threat that he puts on the defense, keeping it in their mind at all times, we have to keep the back end of the field on lockdown or else this guy's going to gash us, which he did today. So it was just so awesome to see that once again for Jackson. And like you said, you know, Alshon Jeffrey also getting five catches, should have been six. He had two touchdowns. You know, I tweeted it out earlier during the game. In 2017, we're like, man, if we can get Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson, Wentz will finally have some weapons to work with. The fact that now they have both of those guys in this offense in 2019, it It is, is yeah, it's really unbelievable, to be honest. Yeah, Alshon did everything you want Alshon to do, in my opinion. You took their number one corner and just put him on an island all game long. When you needed big third down conversions, you gave it to Alshon Jeffrey. When you needed to score in the red zone, you gave it to Alshon Jeffrey. He made Josh Norman look pretty bad today on many, many routes. He looked crisp today, Lou. How he was out there and the connection with the timing on the routes that he was running with Carson Wentz, half of them he wasn't even looking back at the quarterback and the ball was right in his hands. And those two, their timing is on point this year. I I like what I saw from them. I like what I saw from Deshaun Jackson. Zach Ertz, that's what you want Zach Ertz to be. You want him 5 for 54 every game of the season because that is what – it, it means that you're ex- you're getting the offense open and you're allowing to take shots like they did today, and Zach Ertz is picking up conversion yards. That's what you want out of Zach Ertz. He had some yak today, Lou. It, it was cool. That, yeah, uh, he did. He picked up that first down and almost scored a touchdown uh, at breaking that tackle, something that he has uh, been scrutinized for in his career. And, man, everybody had a very good game. I, I know we were down on the usage of Darren Sproles for a bit of the game, but he came back in that second half and – he shut me up. I, I had to give him his dues on a couple of those long runs that he had. But I, Jordan Howard, why did they not give him the ball more? The guy was running like a man possessed. He averaged, what, 7.3 yards per carry? Yeah, he had six, six carries, carries for 44 yards. Yep, yep, 44 yards. He looked like LeGarrette Blunt in 2017. Like when he started to pick up steam on a couple of those runs, he started to run angry. He just keeps moving his legs. They got to get him more involved. They have to get rid of Darren Sproles' usage as much as they did in the run game. And Miles Sanders, they have to figure something out with him because 2.3 yards of carry is not going to work throughout the entire year. Well, and I thought I actually liked Sanders' performance more than the stats say. I mean, he had a big touchdown that was called back because Josh Norman dove like it was the NBA. Yeah, on I your boy JJ. JJ or <laughs> yeah, I called Norm- you out on Twitter. Norman, Norman dove like he was trying out for the National Olympic team for the uh, for the Summer Olympics next year. That was ridiculous. Yeah, look, I thought all the running backs started off slow, but I think, and again, 
We talked about Wentz, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, how valuable the passing game was. And also, real quick, the narrative that Wentz doesn't throw to receivers, Gino, it was all about the injury it's last dead. year. That was the it's only dead. reason that Alshon and Aguilar weren't more involved. And you saw now, when Wentz is at full go, how big of a performance Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey have. So anyway, though, back to the running backs. I think when the game changed in the third quarter is when the offensive line just decided to take over. You always see this oh, in a game. especially dominated. They always save their best performances for the second halves. And that's when the run game really gets going. And this year, they finally have talented running backs to take advantage of that. And that's why Sanders started off slow. Howard just wasn't involved in the first half. Darren Sproles, I thought, again, it's never about Darren Sproles, the player, and his abilities. And it's why when he blocked me, I kept reiterating, I don't have a problem with Darren Sproles. It's when he's on the field, the play calling gets complacent, and they feel too comfortable giving him the ball. That happened on three separate third down plays today. There was a check down. Wentz gave up way too easy on the play. Sproles gets tackled after like a four-yard gain. They go for it, and they don't convert. Then there was a pitch to Sproles, eight yards behind the line. That doesn't work either. Another third down run on third and six doesn't work. It's never about Sproles. When the offensive line gets going, when the play calling is right, he can make the most of it with his explosiveness. And we saw that in the second half. It's just, once again, the play calling with how much usage Sproles got is why the minute he was signed, I was concerned. But like you said... They got going, Sproles, Howard, even Sanders should have had a couple bigger runs, including a touchdown run. Um, he almost put another one in the end zone, got tripped up at the two-yard line. So I think the, the, the change in the momentum of this game is when the offensive line decided to take over, and that to me is when the Eagles went on that 32-3 to run. Yeah, look, we're not going to take anything away from Washington's front. I think they created a lot of havoc. I they mean, did. Kerrigan was all over the field. He didn't do much in the, the box uh Score sca- uh, category of sacks or anything, but yeah, Deron Payne. Once he went out, that that changed a lot as well. He he's a big boy inside, and they held up for a while. But I said, I said to my friend who's a Redskins fan, and we were talking on the phone before the game started. I said, I, I expect it to be ugly at first. It, it always is when they play Washington. You look back to a couple years ago when uh they won that game in the the year of the Super Bowl when uh they end of the game with the walk-off fumble recovery and that game was ugly at first it was close for a while and then they finally separated and I expected that to happen today because you didn't play your guys in the preseason Wentz he he was the biggest question mark in my opinion because you didn't know what he was going to be after the injury and he was he played lights out it was the defense that was driving me freaking bananas from the get-go like continuing to do the same things that they did last year and a lot of it like you said with Sproles Lou a lot of the defensive issues were from the play calling. It was the guys in charge that drove me crazy. Doug was Peterson on off. Yep. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Because I'm si- going to – I yeah. got a rant coming. <laughs> in, uh, in situational moments, look, I think Jim Schwartz is a great defensive coordinator. I really do. In situational moments, he comes up short because he does not adjust. And people can get on Razul Douglas all they want for that McLaurin 70-yard touchdown. He got toasted. But you, as a defensive coordinator, need to know the strengths of your players and put them in a better position, not to put Razul Douglas on an island with a 4-3 speed receiver with no safety over the top. And that's why people can get on Razul for that. But another part of this is not having corners shadow certain types of receivers. If you're going to keep one corner on each side, that's always going to make you 
have a mismatch with McLaurin versus Razul or Darby versus a bigger guy. Darby today was driving me nuts with the missed tackles and sometimes blowing it in coverage oh, once again. Him on that play yes, that it was, was it was so pathetic. It was such a bad attempt. And that's that's the frustration with me is, yes, Razul Douglas, that is a big liability with speed receivers. But you as a DC have to know that and not just line Razul up 10 yards deep. That's not going to get the job done because then on third and three when you have to do that because you don't rotate corners, they're just going to run a four-yard out and they're going to convert it every single time. So I was really frustrated with Schwartz in the second, in the first half, excuse me. And then when the defensive line got it going in the second half and the Eagles started putting up points, then I think the tides changed, definitely. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you there. And what I'm getting into here with the play calling is that I think you said it best, Lou. Situational play calling for both Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz, it has to improve. And you would think that it would improve from what they did, researching how they decreased in their efficiency last year and doing things like throwing behind the line of scrimmage in short yardage situations. I, I can look to Darren Sproles probably three to four times in the past three, year, three years where he has been in the game on third down situations where they just need to create a manageable situation to stay in field goal range or to convert, and they have thrown it behind the line of scrimmage. I'm thinking back to that game against the Cowboys when they're down about, I think they were on their 37 or 38-yard line, and they throw a screen pass to Darren Sproles behind the line of scrimmage. They end up losing five yards, and they are out of field goal range. They did that today again, Lou, when it was second and four. You just had a nice pickup. I can't remember at what point in the game this was. Oh, it was in the second quarter. They threw a ball to Deshaun Jackson behind the line of scrimmage, and it ended up being third and seven. And then the next play call was an absolute terrible play call, to Darren Sproles, which they threw bef- uh, before the sticks, and they didn't let Carson Wentz go out there. Yeah, it was Doug Peterson has to understand that you have an offense that has to just build on momentum. When you're in those up-tempo situations, do things that will be productive. Don't throw behind the line of scrimmage where you have a less than 50% chance to even get a yard there. Give the ball to Jordan Howard, who was running hot, who just picked up six yards for you on the plate prior. Jim Schwartz, don't leave Rasul Douglas on an island like you did last year to Jalen Mills against Tampa Bay in week two. And he took a ball from Deshaun Jackson, 75 yards. He took that to the house. It was the same exact thing just a year apart. And they just don't understand these situational play calls that have killed them time and time and time again. Doug has to learn. You cannot throw the ball or do tosses behind the line of scrimmage when it's third and two or second and four because you just have to get two yards because Carson Wentz is automatic on those goddamn conversions. I was going to say, it's never be Just get him him one yard and he will convert for you. You have to do things that are not going to allow you to create negative yardage. Get your playmakers ahead of the line of scrimmage. Even if you're throwing a bubble screen, get Deshaun at least a yard or two over the line of scrimmage. Don't do it behind the line of scrimmage. You kill yourself time and time again. And you could just go to through Doug Peterson's career and how many times he has done that. And it's just, it, it, I mean, look back to Ryan Matthews against Detroit a couple years ago on that toss. Like, why not just do a halfback dive up the middle? Why are you doing a toss out wide? Like, what? Why can't we understand this, Lou? It just drives me bananas. But they did figure it out in the second half, and I'm glad that the attitude I just had for the last five minutes isn't the attitude I have to take forward from this game because I really did think they settled down well. Both units really collected themselves. Doug Peterson collected himself. Jim Schwartz collected himself, and they really put it together. I think the front four started getting after the quarterback in that second half. They really started to dominate. You said the turning point was when the offensive line wanted to dominate, Lou. It was, I think it was that big possession where they just 
they got a couple penalties to help them, but Tim Jernigan comes in with that coverage sack, and they just took over from that point on, and they were just dominating that Washington offensive line. Yeah, I think the timing actually is interesting. Both lines started playing really well at the same time in that third quarter, so it's no shot. And that's how they built the team. Right. That's why they are going to win. They're the heart and soul of this year. team. It is inside out. You build a team in the trenches, and they won that way today. They're the heart and soul of this Eagles team, the Lions, and Howie Roseman reiterated it time and time again during the offseason they're building through the lines out. And, yeah, it's not a coincidence that they went on this 32-3 to run immediately when the offensive and defensive line said, enough's enough, we are a superior team to this Washington Redskins team. And they took over and got a big win. But at the same time, look, you and me, we, like, we have to point out those flaws in the coaching today, especially in the first half. Because, because if, you, if you call a perfect game, you score 50-something right. points. Like, you can't leave those points on the field, and you have to get into those rhythms to set the tone for the rest of the year. You can't continue to get off to slow starts because every team in the NFL isn't Washington. You're not going to be able to come back from that on, when you're playing Green Bay and Lambert. Or Atlanta next playing, week on Sunday Night Football. Exactly. You're not going to be able to do that with guys that have receivers like Julio Jones. You're playing Trey Quinn and Terry McLaurin. Yes, he's good, but he's still a rookie, and you have Case Keenum. You only get lucky so many times. Like Put together a full game. And I would have been very happy with this. But like you said, Lou, we have to point things out like that because there were flaws in the coaching. There were flaws in many of the guys playing style. Ronald Darby, boy, oh boy, man. Like I know you point out his flaws much more than I do, but I'm starting to get sick of his missed tackles and just he's got to come up with some of these interceptions. And why was Sidney Jones not on the field for That's an interesting thing I wanted to talk to you about because he was – Doug Peterson, when he was asked a week ago who the top two corners would be, he immediately said Darby and Jones. And then, come to find out today, Ronald Darby's on the left side. Razul Douglas is the starting right corner with Maddox in the slot. So I'm thinking, okay, he is dressed. They showed him on the sidelines. Maybe he's banged up a little bit. I don't know what happened. But then you saw Avante Maddox get hurt and Jones came in to the slot. And then it was almost like in the second half they were doing cornerback by committee because Jones took over for Razul. So Peterson did say at his press conference that both guys were going to play, like all four corners were going to play. I just want to know what the strategy was because then Jones came in in the second half and, hey, he made some nice plays. He had a big pass breakup diving across the body on third down. He had a couple nice tackles, and I thought he looked really good in the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, One quick update. Jeff McClain... Uh, Philadelphia. Malik Jackson news? Yep, Yep, Malik Malik. Jackson. His foot is in a boot, but he does not know what the injury is yet. Uh, Let's hope it's like a high ankle sprain or something. That would be a huge loss if it's serious. Yeah, but Lou, Tim Jernigan, holy crap, did he look good today, dude. I I thought him and Hassan Ridgeway had really good games. Both of them looked super explosive off the ball, and Fletcher Cox, the first step he had in the the very first play of the game, Lou, the way he got off the ball, it was like he was in the center's head doing the snap count. It was unbelievable. And that front, dude, BG, Derek Barnett, I got to pick a bone with Derek Barnett. What the hell was he doing on that play where he was lined up offsides? I have no Whoa. idea. That made it. It should have been a 53-yard <laughs> so field goal. Wild. That's just a boneheaded mistake where a 53-yard field goal becomes a 48-yarder, and they nail it. Yeah, so you can't that was brutal. That. But he, um, looked, he yeah. looked good, man. I, I, I saw your tweet that on that last drive, he was just doing whatever the hell he, he was wanted. He was toying with Donald, Donald Penn. Penn. Yeah, he was toying with him. Yeah, and that's great to see because Donald Penn, even at his age of 37, he's – 
he's a, a serviceable player, but he's had big time experience. And for Barnett to go out there and do what he did today, I, I thought Darren Barnett had a very good game himself coming off of injury. So it's good to see those guys that we had question mark question marks about coming off of injury really settle in and outside of uh, Malik Jackson, everybody stayed relatively healthy. So that, that was good to see in this game. Yeah, the defensive line, once again, continues to be really strong, especially the defensive ends, too. Of course, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, Timmy Jernigan look good against the run. Jernigan, a sack and a tackle for a loss today. But the ends, too, I thought Vinnie Curry, I thought Barnett and Graham all looked great against the run. That's a strong suit of the Eagles' defensive ends that I don't think is talked about enough. The Redskins rushed for just 28 yards today. Darius Geis, 10 carries, only 18 yards. So the Redskins decided to uh, inactivate um, Adrian Peterson before the game. And Geis, Thompson, no one had any answers. We didn't see a Wendell Smallwood uh, revenge game today. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, though, hats off to Case Keenum. They're turning to the link for the first time since the NFC Championship. 380 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, he was uh, he was sharp today. But again, I think a lot of it was the Eagles defense shooting themselves in the foot with failure to make adjustments more so than it was the Redskins just willing their team to victory with talent. I mean, look, McLaurin looked really good, and we liked him come out of Ohio State. But once again, I think it was more of an Eagles thing than a Redskins thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think they came out flat at first. I, I They shot themselves in the foot a lot of the time. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, I, he was hyped up coming into this game. That unsportsmanlike penalty he takes wasn't great. That kills a drive there. Wentz has a batted ball. They kind of just had stupid little plays that killed a lot of the momentum on their drives. They had a lot of boneheaded plays on defense that allowed that big, that first touchdown where they couldn't tackle Vernon Davis, of all people, on the sideline, like that was wild to me that two guys couldn't catch him, especially Ronald Darby, whatever, it is what it is, and they just had a lot of self-induced things, and like you said, Lou, if they put together a real game, they would have just absolutely dominated Washington like they did that second half, and uh, Dave Zingaro just got a quote from Elshon Jeffrey. Um, who said, I thought we should have scored 50, but we scored 30. It is what it is. So, like, he, he's echoing my sentiment that this team had everything it took to put up a, a high-scoring game, but that first half was just brutal. But hopefully next week against Atlanta, they went out and got smacked in the mouth by Minnesota today. Hopefully this Eagles team continues that trend of just putting up big-score games and get the run game going a little more and hopefully that defense stays healthy in the way it is. And I want to see them playing a little more press because – Look at Sidney Jones when he was up on receivers. He made a play. You saw that. And Ronald Darby, he's not going to tackle anybody in the open field. So try and get him as close to a receiver as you can. And they looked good. I, I thought they looked good in that second half. There are a lot of things you can will probably point out when we watch the tape in the first half that was just even uglier than we first expected this uh, go around. But they they turned it around, Lou. They didn't let adversity get to them. They they believed in their coach. They believed in the system. They, they went all in that second half, and they came out on top. And I, I never once – I was worried a little bit that they would let it get out of hand, but they didn't, and they put the, uh, the Band-Aid on the, on the cut before things got too serious and came out on top. When you go back to 2012 and why I'm feeling good, even though we did have to bring up the adjustments because they do have to make them against good teams coming up like the Falcons and the Packers, as mentioned, and the Minnesota Vikings. They play the New England Patriots this year. They got some big-time opponents. But at the same time, I'm still coming out of this despite some of the struggles in the first half very encouraged because that second-half team is what we expect for the entire year, whereas you go back to a team like the 2012 uh, Eagles team, the quote-unquote redeem team, where they ended up starting that year 3-1. and one. And remember that first game against the Cleveland Browns where Mike Vic through for mm-hmm. four picks like yeah even though it was a win 
there were so many problems where you're like, you have to address those. This team is will it's going to break at any point. Even that Ravens win, the Giants game on Sunday Night Football. Whereas this Eagles team in 2019, the second half was way more of who they were. Like that wasn't them pretending to be a better team than they actually were. Like the 2012 Eagles, you could tell this team is not as good as their three and record three and one record shows. This Eagles team, week one against Washington, them going on a route in the second half, that's what was supposed to happen for me all all game. It's why Vegas put them at, what, 10.5-point favorites? 9.5 was, I think, the line. So uh, I, that's, I'm, I'm encouraged because that's what you were supposed to see. They put it together. They figured it out. Now you got to see that consistency. you got to see that adjustments from the coaching staff. And uh, big game next week, Sunday Night Football against the Atlanta Falcons, who, like you said, got smacked today by the Minnesota Vikings. Big day for my brand, Gino. L- uh, Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown cooking oh. on some big-time touchdowns, sir. Oh, my goodness. He looked incredible, dude. That, I mean, they are playing Miami, but, yeah, you're Right, you're they're tanking big time. Off today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was – a wild day in the NFL so far, and we got uh, the Giants were up on seven nothing on Dallas last time I checked. Maybe it's seven seven right now. Um, but yeah, it's it's football season. I, I, I'm still kind of like in a roller coaster of emotions from that game. I was I was really ticked off at halftime. Doug really made me say some words uh, that were not suitable for work. But hey, everybody gets into the the heat of things when they watch these games. But they turned it around ultimately, and when they started opening things up and getting the ball downfield, like we expected them to, that's when things went went their way. And Carson Wentz just could make a highlight tape off of all the Redskins games that he's played because he just puts together these unbelievable performances. Yeah, how about just, that? He continues to dominate Washington. My whole <laughs> podcast on Thursday was about his success against Washington and why it was fitting that he starts this year off against them. And he continues that trend, man. He just he dominates them. Just how he worked in the pocket and was just able to find space and just find these, so free, these rush-free lanes where he could just step up and set his feet. It was just, it was, it was beautiful. Just throwing across his body, just any way you wanted to point it. Carson once had a beautiful game and he went, went what twenty-eight for thirty-nine and had a few drops and a few balls that should have been caught or were made good plays by the defense, like that uh, Landon Collins breakup on Dale Scotter. It was. He could have finished with a near 80% completion percentage. He was 2017 went to a T. Absolutely. He finishes 28 of 39, 313 yards, three touchdowns. Really should have been four, but uh, Alshon Jeffrey's touchdown counts as a running touchdown. But a big win for the Eagles nonetheless. They move on to Atlanta next Sunday night to take on the 0-1 Falcons, but uh, a big W, a win is a win nonetheless, and uh, they got to keep wearing those white arm sleeves, Gina, when they're wearing the midnight green. I- I'm, ro- I'm loving those. Yeah, those are sick, bro. Jackson was swaggy out there today. <laughs> yeah, him, uh, Miles Sanders had it on, Jordan Howard. Oh, yeah. They're all rocking the dark visors and the uh, the white arm sleeves, so the look good, play good mentality. Uh, it's got to continue continuing here in the 2019 season. That's going to do it for today's edition of the Lockdown Eagles post-game show. Once again, the Eagles win it 32-27. to They are 1-0 and on the year. Next week, Sunday night, against the Atlanta Falcons. And me and Gina will be back four to five more times this week to get you ready for week two. We'll take another look into this game for the next couple days. And then Wednesday on Crossover Wednesday, we'll move on to Atlanta. For my co-host, Gino Camilleri, I'm Louis DiBiase signing off. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And let's go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly. 1-0, baby.